All right, episode three, Legendary Youth Gangs of New York City. This time we're going to take a different turn. We're going into the Bronx, New York. And we're going to do the Ducky Boys. This one was recommended from a friend of mine. It's a lot different from the last two I did. The last two I did were a very violent group. And they were both uh, gangs were used as farm teams, if you will, for the Italian-American Mafia. We had done the Garfield Boys from Brooklyn. We did the Purple Gang from, from Harlem. But now we're going to do the Ducky Boys. Ducky Boys is a very, very different group entirely. So this, this gang became famous for a movie called The Wanderers. The Wanderers came out in 1979. During this time, there was a lot of youth gang movies coming out. You had The Wanderers. You had The Warriors. You had Lords of Flatbush with Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler. And then into the early 80s, you had Rumblefish. And then you had The, uh, the Outsiders, which was probably the most famous one of them all. But from the late 70s into the early 80s, this was like a genre of movie that was very, very popular. And in the movie The Wanderers, the Ducky Boys were a big element in the movie, and it was a gang from the Bronx. And in the movie, they portrayed this gang as this mythical, psychopathic gang of mostly Irish descent that would stop at nothing from hurting and destroying their enemy. And of course, there's that famous scene at the end of The Wanderers where the Wanderers are playing football against the black kids and the Ducky Boys show up because they're trying to take everybody out. And they show up in just a droves of, of, of kids with bats and chains and knives. And then, of course, the Wanderers, the black kids, the Wongs, family members, friends, everybody has to come together and fight them off. I'm here to tell you now that the Ducky Boys were nothing like that, okay? Basically, from the research I did, and I did most of the research from this book called The Lost Boys of the Bronx, The Oral History of the Ducky Boys Gang. You can get this book on Amazon, okay? It's, I'm gonna, you can go into it a lot deeper if you read the book. But even when you read the book, you, you're going to get the gist of it. They were just tough, rough, mostly Irish kids from the Bronx that grew up in a working class neighborhood, Irish neighborhood in the Bronx. And they were tough kids, just like any other neighborhood would have. And they got into fights, mostly fists, very few weapons. There were some, uh, there were two accounts of guns involved. There was some stabbings, but for the most part, this was basically fists. And um, their weapon of choice was slingshots, because they were, they were kids, and these were not... Again, this was not a group that was a farm team for any higher-ranking organized crime group like I did in the past. This was just a rough, tough bunch of Irish kids that would hang out in Bronx Park in what was called Norwood at the time, but now it's called Bainbridge. So it would be Bronx Park right next to Botanical Gardens. So let's see. I'm going to pull some info right out of of the book. So the majority of the kids came from Fordham, Bedford, Norwood, Woodlawn, and Allerton. And I said, as I said before, Norwood is now really known as Bainbridge. Okay? So the name, the name of the, of the, the Ducky Boys, it comes from, there's like this legendary story. I don't know where this legendary story comes from. But the real way, there's a couple of mixed 
mixed things that happened to get they got they got their they got their name. The, here's the legendary story. The legendary story was there was this member of the Ducky Boys whose last name was uh, D U C C I, and uh, sounds Italian to me, but whatever. And they would they would call him Ducky because it was you know American translated, whatever. So apparently he got arrested. They wanted he want they wanted him to rat on the other Ducky Boys. The legendary story is that he cut his tongue out so he would not be able to say a word. And in the movie, it's portrayed that none of the Ducky Boys actually speak at all. Now, it's a legend. That never happened. According to this book, that never happened. I couldn't find anywhere on the internet that this happened. It, I think they just didn't talk in the movie to basically show how psychopathic they were. They were just, in the movie, they portrayed us as angry group. Okay. These were kids from anywhere from 12 to 17, 18 years old. And they would hang out at the Bronx Park. They would hang out uh, by uh, the Bronx River Park. They would hang out by Botanical Gardens. They would hang out by the tunnel. They referred to the tunnels. The other way they got their name, that they think they got their name, is they found a dead duck. They put it on a stick in front of the tunnels, and they referred to as the dead duck, ducky boys. And then it got transformed to the, the, the ducky boys. The third way, which is probably the most obvious way and probably the realest story, is that... In the pond, in, in Box Brox Park, there were ducks. And the cops would call these kids the Ducky Boys. Odds are that's the way they got their name. They were all kids from the neighborhood. None of these people grew up to be famous gangsters. or f- Nobody became famous like I, I portrayed in, in the last one. But this book interviews a lot of former members. Okay, This book was written in 2004. So the majority of these people might be dead by now because you're talking about the 1960s. This was a very long time ago. This was a 1960 to 1970. That's the span of the Ducky Boys, give or take, right? I will go down the list of people that they interviewed. I mean, I don't know these people, but if anybody's out there related to them or maybe they're still alive and they're listening to this, they could, you know, say this. So it was Jan B., um, there was Kevin Byrne, there was uh, Carolyn Vetter, there was Phyllis Carpinella, there was Lenny Lim. Lenny Lim, I think, was the only Chinese-Irish kid in the gang. Everybody else was either Italian or Irish, mostly Irish. Mousy, Jerry Jertler, Parky, Bob Rocky Rockwell, Thomas Treacy. Let's see who else there is. Okay, Lou Cabello, Ed Cunningham, John Cunningham, Joe F., Mark Leslie, Mark Lind, Conrad Sheehan, Professor Lloyd Ulton. Okay, he wasn't a member. He was just, he is a Bronx um, historian, and they interviewed him. That's all. And uh, Gary Weiss. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people, but, you know, by this point, people have died, and maybe they couldn't get in contact with them, or maybe some people didn't want to do it, or whatever the case may be. So they were kids. So the large majority of these kids that would hang out by the Bronx Park which is kids from the neighborhood. They've known each other since grade school. They knew each other from childhood and they congregated at the park and they hung out. If other new kids wanted to come in, there was like initiation, but it was kid stuff. They would like throw mud on them. They would put mud in their hair. They would, they'd take the girls, they throw them in the water because basically teenage kids just wanted to see girls in wet t-shirts, you know? So it was things like that. They would, and they would just act like normal, normal, mischievous 
teenagers would act at the time. I wish that they would say that they would act like it is now, but unfortunately, it, it, you know, it really isn't. They don't really do much of that anymore. Maybe other nationality groups do. Like maybe there's some Eastern Europeans or from, uh, or maybe there is like Hispanic groups, so on and so forth. And they would dress. They didn't have like jackets or anything like in the movie Grease or in The Wanderers where it says The Wanderers. They would dress like, like they would dress actually how it's portrayed in the movie. They would have jeans, they have white t-shirts on, sneakers, and maybe jean jackets. And that was really it. And their weapon of choice, oddly enough, was a slingshot. I don't know. In the movie The Wanderers, The Wanderers had this whistle. And they would whistle to each other if they were in trouble. They would whistle to each other if... Uh, the coast was cleared or whistle, whatever the case may be. You see it, it whistle. They, we'd see them whistle down the neighborhood and all the wanderers would come out because they were going to fight and whatever the case may be. But really, in real life, the Ducky Boys had the whistle and they call it the duck whistle. And, and it was a lot of times they were used if they were going to fight, if a group of kids were coming and they had a whistle and they had to come out of the tunnels. Or they would go into the tunnels and they would whistle so they wouldn't get their ass kicked thinking that it was another kid from another neighborhood. Or sometimes they would whistle when the cops were gone, and the coast was clear, or something like that, right? So it had a bunch of different, bunch of different meanings. The biggest, the biggest strength that they had going for them was their friendship. And like I said, you know, when you come from a modest background, when you don't have much, when you come from a neighborhood that's working class and every dollar counts, your friendship and your loyalty is, is extremely important. And that's what they had. And it didn't matter if it was a girl or a boy. If you hurt one of them or you fought one of them, you fought all of them. And there were, there were a, a, a plenty of accounts in this book where one person got hurt and they band together. And it didn't matter if it was a girl or a boy, okay? Because they had the girls too, the ducky girls. And the ducky girls were tough, just as tough as the boys, right? And if they all had a fight together, they would. It was no joke. So here's a story. Um, this one ends in a tragedy. This one ends in death. But So Joe, this guy Joe, F, he doesn't give his last name, apparently has a brother named Gene. And Gene and Jimmy Byrne were really good friends. They would always hang out. So they were walking down Fordham Road to go to the movies. And this neighborhood kid jumped him in one, and I believe, who got stabbed? Uh, Gene got stabbed. And then um, they were waiting for the... the paramedics they never showed up so jimmy dragged gene over to the cops put him in the cop car and forced the cops to drive him to the, the hospital turns out that the cops knew that the, these two kids families and they did and he wound up saving his life and and this was the, the tremendous bond that's portrayed in this book it's just an example of how they they bonded as a matter of fact um i believe that i believe that uh one of them died later on, just from old age, and you know, um, and the other one's life was not the same. He really looked at this guy like a brother, right, and uh, a family member, uh, a deep, a deep family member. And uh, apparently, when one passed, the other guy really took it bad. So the other, the other gangs that were in the neighborhood, okay, and these gangs, like sometimes they weren't always fighting. Sometimes they were cool with each other. Kids would go in and out, and so on and so forth. So you had, obviously, you had the Ducky Boys, you had the Wanderers, you had Allerton Avenue, and Parkside. And this was the, the, the guys 
in, in that particular area of the Bronx, these were the teenage kids that were toughest and they would fight each other. So Allerton Avenue, Rocky gives a description of where these guys were from. When you talked about Allerton Avenue gang of the time, you were talking about the center of Allerton and Holland Avenues. There was a pool room, a movie theater, there was a pizza place too. That's where everyone hung out, and that's where the guys where the Allerton Avenue gang congregated. And then you had the Wanderers. The Wanderers were from Burke Avenue, the neighborhood at Burke and Holland Avenue. And then you had Parkside. Basically, it's just from the Parkside projects. They'd play handball, they had Parkside co-ops, and that's where the Parkside boys were from. And they would fight constantly. And apparently, the biggest threat to the Ducky boys was the Allerton Avenue boys. And there was a incident where they all came down to the park and they were going to wreck the Ducky Boys. And they had Molotov cocktails. And if those of you guys who don't know what that is, it is a, a glass bottle filled with some kind of flammable liquid. They would put cloth in it. They would um, light the cloth on fire, like a match or a lighter or whatever. And they would throw it. Whenever it hit, would explode and the whole thing would catch on fire. And then whatever it hit would also catch on fire. So one of these kids had one, and he was about to throw it, and one of the Ducky Boys had a slingshot. Boom, he hits the bottle with the slingshot. Apparently, he wasn't aiming for the sling, the bottle. He was aiming for him, but he hit the bottle. This thing blew up and burnt this kid almost to death um, of one of the Allerton Avenue boys. And all his friends ran away, and the Ducky Boys had to actually put him out, put the fire out. They called the ambulance, and they went to the hospital. And supposedly when this kid actually was all healed up, uh, his mother moved them out of the neighborhood because so, I guess she wanted to get them away from the, from the riffraff. Another one of the kids from the Ducky Boys got beat up pretty bad. Uh, I believe it was this guy named Frankie. They whipped him with chains. They threw him down in the water into the Bronx River. But there was a wall, and right below was the Bronx River. So they beat the shit out of him, and they threw him over the wall into the Bronx River. And then, of course, they all got together and they had a fight. And I think the Ducky Boys were outnumbered from the, from the Allerton Boys, and they had a starter pistol. So, you know, again, this is the early 60s, and I'm not going to sit here and say guns weren't prevalent and knives weren't prevalent. I, I, can't, I don't know. I'm not a historian. I do know from the little research I did with the Garfield Boys, there was a huge fight. You can go back and, 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 and check it out. It's actually a really good documentary I did a half hour documentary about the about the uh, Garfield boys and it was a huge fight with another group of kids from uh, Red Hook and one guy got shot and killed another guy got stabbed so on and so forth but I think back then guns came later on when you were later in age when you were, were younger uh, it was probably just fists chains bats things like that not that it's any not that it's good but Guns usually come later on. Today, it's a different story. Guns are rampant. They've been since like, I would say, I would, I'd say I think the 70s has started changing when, when handguns and shotguns were readily available to these kids and so on and so forth. Anyway, so the girls would get into fights too. They would, they would, they would fight like nobody's business. So there was this one fight. Uh, there was a, 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 they called it the preppy fight. So there was, there was this, uh, Bainbridge Avenue, Avenue, I'm sorry, Bainbridge Avenue Ice Cream Parlor, where these girls were hanging out, and with this girl Carolyn explains them as the preppy girls, and the ducky girls were walking by, and the girls like had choice words, saying, yeah, the tough ducky girls are so, so tough, you're not so tough, blah, 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 so on and so forth, and the girls ignored it and kept walking, 
for according to what they want to say is because they didn't want to get messed up because they want to look good for the boys, right? And that's that's typical of teenage girls, right? They get all dressed up and they want to go hang out with the boys. I don't know about so much today, but back then that's that's what you wanted to do. And they just walked by. And apparently another girl, uh, I believe the name of Janine, walked by by herself, you know, sometime later. And these girls really beat her up bad. And uh, she came back to the tunnels and she was bleeding and her clothes were ripped. And then the girls rushed and the boys. And they just, they just went at it with these girls. And I mean, just beat the bloody hell out of these girls. They're the girls that I refer to as a preppy fight. Now, unfortunately, I can't get good detail because like I said, this is... This was not documented like the Purple Gang or like the Garfield Boys. The only documentation they had was this, the author of this book, James Hannon, that actually wrote this book and interviewed several people that were former members of the Ducky Boys, police officers, a Bronx historian, and whoever, whoever, whomever else could give him help. So as far as the Ducky Boys, this is as good as it's, as it's, gonna, as it's gonna get. So besides fighting, they would do mischievous things. They would rob neighborhood stores. So there was a bond bread place they would rob. They would run in there and they would ransack the place. You know, back then in the early 60s, the stores didn't have gates and bars or roll down, roll down steel uh, gates that they, like they do now. You know, it was a lock and, you know, a chain or something. And it was easily, you'd be able to easily break in. There was no surveillance. If the cops didn't catch you, that was it. Um... And even if did somebody from the neighborhood did catch you, they would probably tell your parents more than they would tell the cops. And then your parents would kick the shit out of you. <laughs> so they would go into this Bond Bread place, which was on the Parkside uh, territory, Parkside Kids territory. And they would raid the, the, the bakery and steal the bread, steal donuts, bring them back to the Bronx Park. And they would eat and drink beer and have a good time and blah 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 blah. And then there was another place uh, called I believe it was called Honig's Parkway Robbery. Okay, so it's a, it's, a, it's a Honig's was a department store. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. It's either Honig's or Honig's. I'm, it's probably Honig's. I'm not from the Bronx, so I don't know these neighborhoods well. I'm just reciting it from the book. Any of you out there that is listening to this that is, is from the Bronx, I apologize if I'm if I get the if I get the neighborhoods wrong or if I mispronouncing stores that would been there forever because this store apparently was there forever. This store was there from the 1960s all the way up to the 2000s. And again, these kids would break in, they would steal TVs, they would, I don't know, I don't know how they stole TVs because back then this TVs were like a thousand pounds. You needed like five guys to carry it out. They would steal stereo systems, uh, so on and so forth. They would steal bicycles, they would steal cribs, they would steal anything. But again, this was just to be mischievous because on a Friday night, they would be hanging out, it'd be late, they'd be drinking, some would be doing drugs, and they were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go do this. It wasn't like they were robbing it and then giving it, you know, and then selling it, like, to make a profit. They were just fucking around. They were just being mischievous. And the cops were always down the park, you know, arresting these kids for minor things like this and so on and so forth. So apparently they didn't know what to do with it. So they, they hid it all in the tunnels in, the, in Bronx Park. And they had no clue what to do with this stuff because they couldn't bring it home because their parents would be pissed that they stole from, the neighbor, from their own neighborhood or from the, the neighboring neighborhood. So then, and that's uh, that's basically what they were. Now, here's the here's when it comes to a, a bitter end, and I think this happens with a majority 
of youth street gangs is that they, the older kids get older, they move on, younger kids come in. But the original group of Ducky Boys, there were several things that happened that drove it to its demise. Number one is the police started getting really, really strict. Well, who's hanging out in the tunnels down the Bronx Park and so on and so forth. The other one was uh, a girl died. Uh, this girl named Gina was related to Bobby, who was a member of the Ducky Boys. And she died in a, in a, in a car crash. And they clipped out a newspaper article, and they have it in here. And it says, a 14-year-old girl was fatally burnt last night when her brother-in-law's flatbed pickup truck overturned on Boston Road at Baychester Avenue. Bronx, and the gasoline tank under the girl's seat exploded. Her 12-year-old brother and her sister and brother-in-law were able to pull, they were pulled from the flaming car from passing motorists, uh, but the, this girl was stuck, and she actually died. She was only 14 years old. So after this, um, this coupled with the fact that they started getting into drugs, and coupled with the fact that Vietnam was around the corner, and they started joining the army or getting or getting um, I forgot what they call it forced into the army but so they would they would drink a lot that's number one and this is an Irish neighborhood so in this Irish neighborhood there was bars everywhere and if you don't come from an Irish neighborhood it doesn't make sense that there are bars everywhere but that was that is your Irish background and they would drink early most of the kids would have a drink with their father right now Irish girls really wouldn't drink like the mothers, but the fathers would always drink. They would go to the bar after work and they would drink and hang out and they would socialize. And a lot of times when the kids came of age, you know, 12, 13, 14, they would have their first pint, if you will, with their father at the bars. So the drinking age of 18, I believe it was 18 back then. It might have been 21. I don't really know. I'd have to do more research. They were, they were very loose because that was their culture. The culture was drinking and you drank with your kid. You drank with your son. The problem is it was the 60s, and after drinking, you'd smoke weed, and then they would, they would sniff glue. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Crooklyn. They portray this in, Brook, in the movie Crooklyn. Great movie, by the way. It's uh, about Brooklyn during the 1970s. Um, they would put glue, like model glue, around their nose, around their mouth, their chin, uh, and then they would grab a, a, a paper bag, and they would put it over, over that, and they would just inhale and exhale into the bag, and they would, they would get really high. After that, you know, then you're talking about acid, uppers, downers, cocaine, and the inevitable heroin, which was huge in the 60s. So a couple of guys overdosed. Some people joined the army. Some people just became adults and got jobs and careers and moved on and got married and had children. Uh, from what I understand, it was like an offshoot ducky boys before them. But like I said, the cops would really come down hard on them. So uh, by 1970, early 71, if you will, there were no more Ducky Boys. It was, it was gone. It was over. But their legend continued into the 1979 portrayal of them in the, the movie The Wanderers, which is actually a pretty good movie. And it portrays the early 60s pretty good but because they never give you the timeline of the early 60s. But at the end of the movie... Uh, you see somebody looking into a bar, if you will, if it's a bar, in New York City. And 
there is somebody who is singing folk music and it it suggests the turn of times from the early 60s which was really like the 1950s and then the turn of time was the mid 60s and you know the hippie movement so on and so forth and blah 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 and they don't tell you but it's it in that bar it sounds like bob dylan and it's it's a, it's actually a pretty good movie you just have to get past the fight scenes because it's 1979. The special effects are horrible. But cinematography is great. The acting is spot on. The, uh, the Sign of the Times is spot on. Casting is spot on. And, um, you know, and they, they do, you know, all the gangs were separated into ethnic groups. You know, but it's a pretty good movie. And that's all I really could find on the Ducky Boys. They were just a rough bunch of kids, Irish kids from a working class neighborhood and they banded together and you couldn't fuck with them. If you fuck with one of them, you fucked with all of them. That was it, you know? And there was like probably 20, 30 of them, not hundreds like portrayed in the Wanderers, but that's, that's the most part. That is basically the Ducky Boys. So that's episode three of Legendary Youth Gangs of New York City. I'll be back next week with another one. I don't know which one, but I'll figure it out. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you guys soon. Later.